Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, no. I was a mess. Because now you've taken away my Band-Aid. You've mm. taken away my alcohol. And I no longer can be a chameleon. Right. And these emotions that are coming up out of nowhere, by the way, like in the middle of CVS or, you know, and it's like these tears will be rolling. And, and so it's like I have all these emotions and, and, and I just don't even know what to do with them. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand What makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city.
Hey my beautiful friend, do you suffer from depression? Symptoms of depression are not always obvious. You might feel constantly tired. You might be low in energy, low in motivation. You might have constant feelings of anxiety or worry, feelings of sadness or feeling constantly guilty about everything. If this sounds like you, take a look at Destroy Depression. It's a treatment plan that works regardless of your symptoms or your age. It's a totally drug-free, straightforward plan that explains everything you need to know about eliminating depression step by step. Destroy Depression helps you dominate your depression. It helps you take back control over your symptoms and it comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about how Destroy Depression can help you because you really do deserve to live your life free from the symptoms of depression. Hey, my beautiful friends and welcome. How do we find the strength to push through and keep going when life is really hard? In this episode, I'm hearing Jules talking about how she hit three real rock bottoms in her life. And each time she was able to push through. And I think the reason that she was able to do that was because she had a purpose. She wanted to get to a place where she would never have to rely on another person ever again. She wanted her own place. She wanted a job. She wanted stability, something we might take for granted. But for Jules, she had never had stability because life had not taken a straightforward path for her. As a child, Jules just adored her dad, but he really wasn't coping. And there was a violent incident, which meant that her mum fled with Jules as a tiny child. And from that moment, her world really began to fall apart. As a child living in an environment where you feel unsafe, it's highly traumatizing and this environment included sexual abuse and a complete lack of care and sometimes it can take decades before you can even begin to recover from that. Jules was off the rails for many years addicted to alcohol and drugs and yet the rock bottoms never took her down. We pick up the story as Jules is talking about hitting those rock bottom moments. Actually, you know, looking back, and especially, you know, writing the book, I was able to see that there were probably three times in my life that I hit that bottom. And it just tells me the, the level of um, strength and resilience that I have, because even at the bottom, I was still going to dig myself out of it. I still had that hope. You know, what it feels like to be in that space is, first off, the word alone just really, really permeates and defeated so defeated. And, and it's just like everything I desperately tried to do, I had the best intentions of doing. Again, like my dad, it was like sand going through my fingers. I just could not, I just couldn't grasp it. And so it's, it's defeat, it's exhaustion, it's humiliation, you know, total shame, you know, and it just, you, you feel like a nothing and you question your existence, you know, and there was a time in there, one of my bottoms was that I was going to end that existence. You know, I, I attempted 
I attempted um, suicide and an angel showed up at the door actually and told me either either he was going to drive me to the ER or we were going to call 911 which was it going to be <laughs> and uh, I spent I spent 2 weeks in the psych floor yeah. so the you know bottoms don't just happen once but there those are the three that I guess had to had to happen in order for me to be where I'm at today. So I don't carry regret. I have no regrets. I'm so grateful for, I'm so grateful, period, for the people, the places, and all the things because life would not be what it is today without enduring those things. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Everything that you go through makes you into the person that you are, even though it was so tough. So when you you go through that that time what actually changes what are the moments that allow you to start moving out of that dark place there's a sense of relief so for instance when i was in the hospital i it's almost like you 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 got the gift of the pause button you know i i don't have any outside factors i have no outside pressures and everything is focused on my well-being, right? And so people are talking to me and asking me about things and, and there's therapeutic things that we do. And so really what it's doing is it's allowing, you know, me to just be the mess that I am without alcohol at this time. And so all of that stuff that I've been shoving down for, you know, how many years, 15, 17 years, it was allowed to come up in a safe space. And so, it, it didn't matter, it, you know, my life did not depend on holding it together. So in other words, I could rage and I could have a complete meltdown, but within that safe space, nobody was gonna kick me out, right? So it's like, it, it gave me a little bit of trust that I could go into that place. And of course, when you go in that place, you know, you, you, you pull out some of that darkness and, and with the people that are surrounded with, by, you know, with you is that then that the love is replaced. And so I think it's a process of bringing that old stuff out, like I was able to, and then being able to replace it with things by other people's compassion or understanding or that shaking of their head. They know exactly what it feels like. You know, so that's what that space allowed me to do is just to be able to actually encompass that sort of loving environment. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you say you go to a psych ward and you get this idea that it's going to be a really difficult kind of experience and then it actually just allowed you to download everything and oh, that's it. I can just feel the relief of that. And so what happened when you left that environment? I went right back to drinking. Mm. <laughs> I went back to the same relationship. I because alcoholism was not, it wasn't detected at that time. I didn't say, and they didn't ask. So I went on, um, still in the disease. And, and again, I just, I bounced from relationship to relationship, um, from problem to problem to, you know, to hit bottom a couple more times. And then at age 35, I ended up on my mom's couch in California. And, uh, and I, and I lived on my mom's couch with no job, 
no, no, no accounts, no nothing. But on the outside, I, I had it all together. I, I looked, <laughs> looked like I had it together. It, it was shortly after that, though, that I relocated, of course, one more time. And I moved into a relationship that ultimately allowed me, once again, it's like, there's got to be something bigger than me. Because I'm telling you, at my own in, in, in my own decisions, <laughs> I can't make this happen. But what was happening is I was I was dating this lady and, and and she happened to be at work and I was driving with her friends, perhaps we were going to lunch or whatnot. And I just nonchalantly said in the back seat, I just wish I didn't drink so much. And it's like little antennas went up in the front seat. These two women, little did I know, both were in recovery. And I had no idea, but of course they're, they know exactly what my problem is. They've, you know, they've known me for a few months. And so they said, you know, we're going to, we're going to go to a meeting. I was like, all right, cool. Let's go to a meeting. Like, I have no idea. We'll do whatever you want to do. I'm the chameleon. I'll do what you want to do. And so that was my first introduction to recovery. And uh, I went into this really, really big room with a lot of gross, icky people. They were so not of my caliber. And so, I mean, some were smoking and some were like, you know, in their suits and the others looked like they just came off the streets. I mean, it was just a motley crew of people. And I was like, ah, and I can still feel how it felt to sit in that metal chair. And I just remember at one point in time, somebody had asked, is there anybody here for their first time? And one of those friends kind of gave me the nudge. So of course, you know, loud and proud, I put my hand up and, 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 you know, they made some small talk and I don't know what was actually said, but these tears started to well up in my eyes and, and I cried the entire hour and I have absolutely no reason why. I have no idea why. Um, at the end, they, you know, they hand this little envelope over and women write their phone numbers down and, and, you know, they're like, if you want a drink, call me first. And uh, that was my, my, my first day of recovery. And that was 14 years ago now. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So there's, and just sitting well, there for an hour and just, oh, just the release. And I suspect wasn't like you were even super prepared, like you hadn't decided I've got to do this or anything. You just sort of said, oh, I just wish I didn't drink so much. And then you find yourself in a, a situation where you're getting all of this love and help. And, and how beautiful is that? And it's just finally something good came your way and you were able to take that and, and actually make it work for you. And that's just so beautiful. Oh, such a relief, isn't it? To get to that point. And so you must've then sort of gone on to more of a healing journey. Is that what happened? Oh no, I was a mess. because now you've taken away my band-aid you've mm. taken away my alcohol and I no longer can be a chameleon right and these emotions that are coming up out of nowhere by the way like in the middle of CVS or you know and it's like these tears will be rolling and and so it's like I have all these emotions and and, and I just don't even know what to do with them and so it probably took me about well, it took me about nine months to actually trust somebody enough to actually start working with somebody. Other than that, I just went to those meetings every day. And, and all that rage that I had before came up in that room. I can't tell you. I don't know how they, 
I don't know how they tolerated me. I mean, I would come in, I'd be dressed inappropriately. I'd be dropping the F-bomb all the time. I mean, this is what I'm used to. All you've done is told me I can't drink. But you guys love me anyway. This is fantastic. And so this person would come in and I mean, I would rage about things. I would cry about things. But little did I know that as I was being heard, I was actually starting to heal. These people, especially the women, they would give me this hug. Oh my God. And they said, Jules, we'll see you tomorrow. I had not been told something like that since I was a little girl. Mm. I had so many layers of armor on me that I would never have allowed anything like that to permeate me. And so it was those hugs that kept me coming back the next day and the next day and the next day. And so, you know, at, at nine months, I was able to finally, for my first time ever in my life, age 35, I put an apartment in my own name. It was such a big deal. Like I had my own job. I had my own checking account. I mean, oh my God, I've arrived. Looking back at it now, I couldn't imagine living in those circumstances, but it was golden when I was getting sober. It was exactly what I needed. And so over the course of probably about three years till I really got my feet underneath me and, and really, really felt like somebody as opposed to some uh, disgrace, right? And so, and it's been absolutely unbelievable. I didn't even know that I was capable of giving the love that I do today and even receiving it and even outside the rooms of recovery. So it's been a totally transformation of my life. Oh, that's so beautiful. Just, just all of that love. That's, it's just love, isn't it? I mean, you've gone through your whole life with no real love. And then all of a sudden you find these people and it's just, they just want to see you tomorrow. They just want to love you. They just want to hug you. They want to hear you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I love that. And so you talk about how this, this all just happened. Like you're sitting in the back of a car. You meant mm-hmm. you mentioned that about drinking. And do you feel that that this is like a connection to God or the universe? Or what do you feel that that is? You know, I can't deny it that it isn't something bigger than me. Because again, it's like, look at, look at where my decisions landed me, you know, and they were my, my best intentions. You know, how is it possible that I was sitting in the back of that car at that time of day with those two people and that came out of my mouth and to be in a meeting within a 30 minute window and, and, and to look back that those, those three bottoms that I hit I gave everything and I couldn't, that was the best, that was the best outcome. And so I do believe that there's something much bigger than me. And coming into the rooms, I was not comfortable with the word God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't like it. I didn't want to be a follower. I mean, I just, I had a really big ego. And so for me, it was higher power, which then became an HP. (laughs) And I think I was about three months sober. And like you were saying in Texas, it's wickedly hot. It's like walking out into soup sometimes here. And so 
I come out of a, an air conditioned meeting and, you know, it had happened to be about the topic was about, you know, God or this higher power universe, whatever we call it. And, and it just struck me. I, in the middle of that soupy hot weather, sun baking down, I felt this whirl of wind and it just like, it like it lifted my hair up. I was just like, <gasps> and it, it just, I just froze. And I was like, that's God, that right there. Because there's nobody in the whole world that could do that right there. Like nobody else could do that, that's totally God. And so I took that little granule <laughs> of hope of a God and I just, I just held on to it. So anytime I would be out doing something and the wind would blow or whatnot, I would just, I would stop and just relish and be like, oh, as my God, just giving me a big hug. I mean, that's what I was working with, but it, it worked, it worked. And so of course now I've, I've been able to like really expand upon that and really see, you know, this, this entity in other people and the journeys they're on. You know, one of the amazing things is I get to see now that I'm in a better space, I can really hold space for other people as they're going along their journey. And I know dang well that there is nothing I can do to make them change it. Like they have to change it. Just like I was the one who said, yeah, let's go to that meeting. Like I cannot, if somebody, you know, five years before that would have said, you know, Jules, you really, you're drinking a little bit too much. You probably should go and go to detox. It would have never happened. So now I have this ability to be like, yeah, you, you are a hot mess. <laughs> and I love you right where you're at. What is it that I can help you with? But I know that I can't change them. So there's a lot of acceptance in that as well. Yeah. And when you were growing up, obviously, you would look back and think that nobody was watching over you. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.